Welcome to Three Questions With, a podcast by the Latino News Network. LNN is dedicated to best serving Hispanic Latinos with local multimedia news and information websites in New England and the Midwest, a statewide community-focused initiative. Three Questions With is a public affairs program elevating the voices and visibility of matters most important to the Hispanic Latino community by speaking with community and industry thought leaders on topics like civic engagement, education, employment, healthcare, communication, and social responsibility, among others. I'm Hugo Balta, owner and publisher of LNN, and your host. Chicago, the city that works, drives the economic, political, cultural, and population growth of the city, state of Illinois, and the country. It is a city that knows all too well its challenges, some cemented in the past that many today are struggling through, but also understands its opportunities, especially drawing from its richly diverse communities. Among them are Hispanic Latinos, the second largest racial or ethnic group in Chicago. The group now represents 30% of the city's residents with an increase in the population of approximately 41,000 over the last 10 years. Our guest today leads an organization whose mission of empowering families to learn, to earn, to heal, to thrive, goes back to before the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 and has seen the city through wars, economics, ups and downs, civil unrest, leadership in industry and innovation, just to name a few. Ricardo Estrada, or Rick, as he is affectionately known, is the president and CEO of Metropolitan Family Services. Rick, welcome to the program. Hugo, it's my pleasure to be with you here today. It's been a long time since I've seen you, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yes, thank you very much. And hopefully we'll be able to see each other in person as we continue to get through uh, COVID-19. Rick, let's start with, well, first of all, I want to congratulate you for recently being named to the board of ComEd. ComEd, of course, is the largest electric utility in Illinois and the sole electric provider in Chicago. We'll get back to that in a moment. I first wanted to talk to you about, to ask you about you and your work with Metropolitan Family Services. Uh, Great. I'd love to tell you a little bit about the work of Metropolitan Family Services. So as you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, we are the first chartered non-for-profit of our kind, human service kind, in the state of Illinois, going back to 1857. Uh, This organization has helped rebuild the human infrastructure after the big fire of uh, 1871. It uh, worked with Jane Addams to develop and create the child protection laws that now exist not only in our city state, but in the country. So our Legal Aid Society, which happens to be the second oldest legal aid clinic in the country after New York's, um, helped Jane and leaders at the time build those child protection laws. And today we are a large comprehensive multi-service organization serving the entirety of the city. So we serve almost equal parts of people who um, define or uh, define themselves as uh, African-American, Black, Latino, Hispanic, Latinx, or white Caucasian, uh, equal parts, 30, 30, 30%, and 10% representing the rich diversity of the city. 
So we're very proud to work in all the areas that are important to our community, including, we call them the, the four E's. So economic stability would be the first E. The second one would be education. So providing early childhood education up through some adult education services here in the city. Um, the, next, the next one E for us is emotional wellness. And that is where we bucket our behavioral health services. So one of the we are one of the largest providers of behavioral health services in the city. And finally, because we needed another E, we call one empowerment and we bucket our violence reduction programs there, uh, both gun, gun violence reduction and uh, domestic violence programs. And we provide our historic legal aid society services in there. And there's a lot more to say, Ugo, but those are generally the areas of our work. Rick, you've said we, Metropolitan Family Services, just want to make sure people are owners of their own destiny by helping them achieve empowerment. Empowerment is a word that, you know, a, the, the last of the four E's that you just mentioned. Let's talk about community resiliency and strength versus vulnerabilities, family values, work ethic, et cetera. Is that still real? And when does work ethic work against Latinos as it relates to supporting children through the entire development cycle? So two different thoughts I have there, Hugo, and one of them is our people, our community, and I'm not only speaking about the Latino uh, Hispanic community, but our commu all communities of color, uh, they, we are resilient, right? Because in this country, we haven't always been given an equitable shot or an equal shot even at uh, the American dream. And so we have had to build a resilient armor to uh, fight off attacks, but also, um, you know, soften the heart and, and build calluses to work hard. No doubt about that, uh, certainly in our communities. But sometimes uh, we become concerned that our people work so hard, these two, three jobs, uh, which for some people in middle class and up seems unrealistic, but our people are working two jobs and sometimes three. And what happens when you do that? Uh, what happens at home? Uh, sometimes children are, are um, taking care of themselves, taking care of their younger siblings. And, and again, there's something noble about that, but um, children need their parents at home. And so it is uh, incumbent on us as a society to make certain that these community uh, and people specifically have and earn a living wage so that these children could be children and could learn and could have their parents at home. Uh, that's what I mean when I, when I have said in the past that sometimes our work ethic is turned around and works against the betterment of our community. Not that I don't value the work ethic that our parents and, and we have. It's just that we need to have a healthy way of providing people with um, work-life balance, if you will, but certainly uh, dignified jobs with a living wage so that the children, again, could live their, to their fullest potential. And absolutely right. I, I think in the now close to two years under the COVID pandemic, we've seen a lot of that dynamic in regards to the children having to 
to take responsibility that um, that they shouldn't perhaps at a certain age where they're they're still being kids but um, being challenged in in learning but also having the additional responsibility of having to take care of younger siblings because their parents essential workers many of them um, couldn't be present and uh, to, to do that type of work and because they had to go to work and put a roof over their heads and food on the table and all that. And of course, you know, we, we uh, as, as members of this community know that all too well. I want to mention, um, I want to talk a little bit more about now about something I mentioned earlier. Again, you being named to the board of ComEd. Tell us about your new appointment. Ugo um, Commonwealth Edison or ComEd as it's known here, as, as you mentioned, it's the largest provider of energy in the state of Illinois. And uh, in this case, electrical energy being um, the key component uh, here in Illinois. Um, it, you know, it's no secret that ComEd has gone through a rough patch uh, here in Illinois with, um, you know, both on the political side and in other ways. Uh, certainly the court of public opinion would uh, say that ComEd is, uh, while it provides very reliable and low cost electricity, I think people have an eyebrow raised in terms of it's the way it, it came about, um, it's deals and funding from the state of Illinois. Um, so the ComEd has recently changed its um, CEO, um, Gil Quinones, who came from the state of New York, is now the CEO of ComEd, and had and it has replaced uh, three board members. I am one of them, and I am the uh, only uh, Latino Latinx on the on the board. I believe I'm on the board for a couple of reasons. I have a reputation uh, for having integrity, and I am not politically bound to anyone. And so that independence, I think, is seen as an advantage uh, in this case, not always seen as an advantage, but I think my independence helped me this time. And uh, the reality is Comet is in a critically important corporation and organization here in the state of Illinois and, and in the Midwest. We are going to be taking on the, some of the most significant issues that the world is facing, including how to deliver clean, reliable energy that is not poisoning or polluting our population. Uh, we are going to be involved in making sure that people have access to jobs at the corporation that give them an opportunity to develop careers and raise healthy families, uh, impacting what we just talked about a second ago. We are uh, going to be involved in making sure that this promise of electrified vehicles uh, can actually be real by putting out um, uh, you know, electric stations across the, our service and delivery area and beyond so that public transport can be elect uh, electrified that way. So some of the most important issues that we are talking about today, this company will take on and I think we need a Latino voice, a Latinx voice there to make certain that our community is not ignored, as it often is, uh, to, and to also make certain that our, our community not only is not ignored, but is a part of uh, every opportunity that this company delivers. Now, last month, 
Last month, ComEd submitted to the Illinois Commerce Commission proposed performance metrics that incorporate feedback that ComEd received in public workshops and support the goals of the state's new clean energy law, which is designed to achieve 100% clean energy future with a focus on equity. We know that black and brown communities are disproportionately impacted by the environment. And you just mentioned you being the, the only Latinx member on the board. Um, in your capacity, how do you hope to provide greater voice to these marginalized communities? And then also, I, I'd love your thoughts about the importance uh, of, of representation, in particularly the Latinx community that too often is not, uh, does not have a seat at the table uh, in, in leadership positions like the one that, that you're in that really provides um, insights as well as influence. Uh, well, let me, uh, that's a great question. Let me first say that I am brand new to this board. So um, I've only attended one meeting so far. And uh, I can tell you that um, what I've seen so far in just one meeting, which is not much, right? I mean, first meetings are usually about orientation and introductions and then looking at essentially strategies and some bottom line issues. Uh, but I, I can tell you that uh, our voice, to your to your point of needing a larger voice and having a greater representation because sometimes we're not um, seen, uh, it, it's going to be critical. And and I uh, am not uh, shy about uh, representing the communities that I care about, uh, and clearly the Latino communities at the top of that but it's not the only one. Um, I, won't, I won't be shy, I've never been shy. I am diplomatic, but I also have firm beliefs in what any entity ought to offer this Latino community or other communities of color. So, uh, so representation is critical. We, we need to have more Latino directors across the country, across industry. I, believe we are beginning to make ground, but nowhere near where we ought to be in terms of our percentage of the U.S. population. Um, nowhere near that. We're nowhere near that in terms of representation on corporate boards. So we have a long way to go. I am just one person. I am eager to join uh, affinity groups of corporate board members so that when people say, you know, we'd love to have a Latino, Latina um, director, but we can't find any. Well, uh, I'm happy to say, well, that's interesting. Uh, in what area of expertise do you need? Because if you're talking about finance, I could send you 20. If you're talking about marketing, I'll send you 20. If you're talking about engineering, we'll get you 50. And so just making sure that the excuse is not we can't find them. Uh, people like yourself and people like myself in our network and our long trajectory in this work will quickly give them lists of people that they could bring on to their company uh, to take care of that representation issue. So um, let me pause there. We'll go and see if you want me to clarify anything. Uh, thank you. I, I... I feel you when you said, uh, when, when you mentioned that you've been told that the person can't find, whether it's a 
Latino or Latina, uh, it, it really gets my, my, uh, my heart pumping. And, and we'll, we'll certainly talk a little bit more about that um, after the break when we start to talk about representation, the importance of representation in mass media. You're listening to Three Questions with Rick Estrada, President and CEO of Metropolitan Family Services. Three Questions With is a public affairs program elevating the voices and visibility of matters most important to the Hispanic Latino community. We are speaking with Rick Estrada, President and CEO of Metropolitan Family Services. Rick, we talked a little bit about the importance of representation, not only in your role with ComEd as a member of the board, but in general, the need for Hispanic Latinos, which according to the census, uh, are nearly 65 million strong across the country. Here in the city of Chicago, represents one third of the population, um, has reached a milestone in being the largest racial and ethnic group in the city. I wanna talk a little bit about the issues that I know you're passionate about in regards to Latinos in media and particularly representation in television. Share with us your thoughts. Yeah, Hugo, absolutely. Uh, I. Uh, in representation in general, I'll get to media uh, quickly. I, I promise to pivot there, but we are—we need to be represented everywhere. And we talked about ComEd and the importance of of being on corporate board seats. Um, we also need to be represented on university boards, and on civic boards, and on public boards, and on any single board possible. Uh, I just want to make sure that that is not lost, that we don't only focus on corporate um, institutions because the pipeline is in university boards. Because if we're not pushing university leaders to provide opportunity for um, our marginalized communities and communities of color, and in our case, uh, Latinos, uh, we have, we'll have an even longer historical battle to fight so we have to both hit the pipelines and then also uh, impact the existing job sources through corporate board seats and other ways. So um, so sorry to derail that for a second, I can uh, pivot back to media. Um, we as a Latino, Latina, Latinx community absolutely seem to be um, not seen in the media. Uh, I believe that uh, in the newsroom, which you're very familiar with, Hugo, you could correct me if I'm wrong here, that uh, only about 11% of people in newsrooms are from some kind of Latino descent. Um, and given that we are closer to 20% of the population, um, there's a huge mismatch there, obviously. And I think not only is it an equity issue, but it's it's also dangerous, I think, for our community not to be represented in media because if we're not there, then other people get to represent our values, get to represent what we stand for, get to put their perspective or perceived perspective on the actions and why things are the way they are. So we need 
journalists, news people, like you have done so well over the course of your trajectory to make sure that these stories are told accurately with the right nuance, with the right perspective. And in this country, it is not near where it should be right now. So um, as again, it's no surprise to anybody you turn on the television and I'm not speaking only about the news because certainly on television shows, uh, we are rarely depicted uh, for in our true complexity, in our true flavors and colors and with our full promise. So let me again, pause there and we could take this um, discussion anywhere you want. You know, like they say, Rick, you're, you're playing my jam, right? As someone uh, who's a 30 year veteran, news veteran, but also twice president of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I would add that it's so important um, and, and why I'm so appreciative of, of you and, and people like you of really investing their time. I think if, if, we're, if we are going to chip away at those existing, at, at that wall of, of uh, stereotype and discrimination and, and, and really racism about our community, it's very important for media. And I, and I believe independent media is doing a much better job than legacy media in elevating the visibility and voices of members of the community, certainly members of the Latinx community, but as you've said, other communities, black community, the LGBTQ community, um, women, et cetera, because you are inspirational, inspirational and aspirational. And it is my hope, and I've certainly seen it, uh, that someone listening to to, to a couple of minutes of you sharing your thoughts about the work that you do, about your perspective in different areas, will strike um, an interest in saying, hey, this person is a lot like me. If he could do it, then, then perhaps I could do it too. And that is so important. And then my, my, my last thought is, you're right. I think in the last two years, as we've had conversations about disparities in regards to the determinants of health, um, when we, with the black community talking about systemic racism, not just in policing, but in different facets of our society, who tells those stories is very important. And overwhelmingly, and especially in English language media, they're one dimensional narratives about complex issues and about a very diverse community, which is the Latinx community, because we are not a monolith. Not everyone um, is cut from the same cloth and understanding that dynamic is so important, whether we're telling stories about the city of Chicago, the city of Illinois, or you know, our country, uh, whether you're in the East or West Coast. So I, I wholeheartedly uh, agree with you. And once again, thank you uh, for your time to, to spending with us here at Illinois Latino News, part of the Latino News Network in sharing your your story and your thoughts and insights. Well, it's, again, it's been my pleasure and you're so right. We're not one community, we're many communities that come together. My experience as a poor kid coming from uh, central Mexico as an immigrant, while it resonates with a large portion of Latinos in this country, it's, it's not everyone. And there are people who have been here for generations. There are people who are coming here from Europe and other continents. There are people who 
are um, coming here as professionals and not uh, immigrants. And, and yet we are bucketed together. We certainly have some common values, and which is, again, why I think you, you use the word they're multidimensional. And um, uh, absolutely, I talk about it from a kind of rich complexity that our communities share. At the end of the day, we, I think we do have very similar values, regardless of where we all come from. We just um, are too often bucketed into one or another. And it's only people who have experienced all those different realities that can tell these stories, and which is why it's so important to have more and more representation in media, television, radio, public, private, legacy, all of the above. Rick Estrada, President and CEO of Metropolitan Family Services, thanks again for your time and insights. My pleasure, Hugo. Thank you for all your great work. You've been listening to Three Questions With, a podcast by the Latino News Network produced in collaboration with Infinite Multimedia, the parent of El Tri Online, an English language news outlet covering Mexican soccer. LNN oversees five independent local news and information websites with a statewide coverage, Hispanic Latino editorial focus in New England and the Midwest. And remember, you can listen to a new episode of Free Questions with twice a month. The next podcast drops on, fr on Friday, February 18th. Our guest will be Nelly Corbea, Secretary of State of Rhode Island and the first Latina in New England to run for governor. I'm Hugo Balta, owner and publisher of LNN. Thank you all for listening. Stay informed. Stay safe.